to rejoice always. That we need to rejoice always. Too often we have our eyes fixed on what is. Too often we have our eyes fixed on what is going on around us. And we can get down and depressed. We can get gloomy. But the Lord will have us to know that the Word of God has not looked at what we are. The Word of God has not looked at where we are. The Word of God looks at where we're going. What we are called to. And sometimes we need to just set, set ourselves to look towards that calling. To look toward that promise. And declare unto God, Father God, I thank You for this. I thank You. I give You praise for how this is coming. This is going on. And it doesn't matter what our age is. It doesn't matter if we're young. It doesn't matter if we're preteen, postteen, or any other thing. What matters is that we rejoice always. And during times when we're together like this, or times when we're by ourselves, that we declare the praises of God. Father God, I thank You for, the, for this. And we declare those things for what's going on in our life. Too often the things that are going on in our mind are things of such that say, Oh, I wish it wasn't this way. Oh, I don't like how this is. But instead, the words in our mind should be, Father God, I look towards the author and finisher of my faith. I look to the promises of Your Word. I look to the things that are coming for me. I look to the things that You're using me for to help others. And praise and give Him glory for it. And as we do, the things that try and attach themselves to us, depression, gloominess, being down, even distractions and other things that come upon, all oh, they'll fall away Amen. as we rejoice always. So, Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we can rejoice always. We don't have to look to the things of where we are or what's going on. Father God, we look to You. We look ahead. We look at what You're doing. We give You the praise and the glory for it. Thank You, Lord Jesus. We look to Your Word here this morning. We thank You for the guidance You give us in Your Word. We thank You for the power that is in Your Word. And that power is transferred to us as we learn it, as we understand it, as we use it. We are doers of the Word of God, not merely hearers. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, we thank you for every one of these children that are here with us today. That the Word of God is growing in them. The Word of God is, the, the consciousness of the Word of God is growing in them. And out of their mouths, declare, Glory, honor, and praises unto their God. Not just their eyes set on the things that are going on around, but looking forward to the future and what God is doing. We thank you for the teachers that you raised up to help them to develop this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can turn over in your Bibles. We will eventually be over here in Matthew chapter 13. During a visit to a mental asylum, a visitor asked the director what the criteria was and what was the how they defined whether a patient would be admitted to the hospital or not. So the director said, well, we fill up a bathtub full of water and we give the, the person a teaspoon, a teacup, and a bucket. And we tell the patient, use whatever you want, but empty the tub. So they say, oh, I understand. A, a normal person would use a bucket because it's bigger. And they said, no. A normal person would pull the plug. Would you like a bed by the window? Sometimes we're not always aware of what's going on. There's a lack of understanding on, on some of the things that are happening with us. As this person wasn't quite understanding how to empty a bathtub at the moment. We can get distracted by things like buckets and teacups and things and forget what actually makes sense. Just to review a ways back, we talked about being a forgetful hearer. Did anybody forget that? We say one who is not a forgetful hearer is one who continues. Continues. In James chapter 1, verse 25, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So a forgetful hearer is not one who didn't hear. forgetful hearer is one who did not continue. They may even be one who walked in it for a time. But they did not continue. We went over some things about what causes forgetful hearing. Uh, sometimes the difficulty. Sometimes we become dissuaded, deterred or by advice or persuasion. Sometimes it's disbelief. Sometimes we disregard the, the thing we heard. Sometimes it's neglect. Sometimes it's a lack of understanding. 
Sometimes it's failure. Well, I tried that already. It didn't work. The rest of James read this way in verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What you, will you be blessed in? What does that mean? It means whatever you do will be that's a pretty good promise, isn't it? If we are not a forgetful hearer, and a forgetful hearer is one who does not continue. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So again, he gets back into the tongue. We know James talked quite a bit about the tongue. We talked uh, a lot about his teaching on the tongues. But I want to take you over here into another area of Scripture as we remember some things about being a forgetful hearer. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6, the words of the wicked are, lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver him. The New Living Translation puts it this way, the words of the wicked are like murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. The words of the godly save lives. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There is a fight for faith. He says, fight the good fight of faith. If we are going to walk in the way of faith, we must know it is a fight. There is a battle. There are things that try and dissuade you. There are things that try and uh, derail you and get you off of that. I want to go over to Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on the good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? But he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Jesus, the kingdom of God, is not a socialist kingdom. It does not distribute evenly. The kingdom of God says, Jesus many times taught, He who has more, or he who has much, more will be given. If you have stuff and you don't use it, what happens to it? Do we take from someone who has more to give to you? No, what you have will be lost. It will be taken away. He rewards those who are faithful with what they have. What verse we leave off at? Verse 12. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I would heal them. Now, get the meaning of this. What he's saying here is that people who have turned themselves off, turned themselves off, turned themselves off, if they hear and suddenly say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and do that and do it, that God says, I'll honor it. Even though I don't really want to. Because of the other times that they've turned their, turned, turned their heart away. If you do what the Word of God says, even if God's not really keen on you at the time because of all the hardness of heart that you had. Guess what he'll do? He'll do it. <laughs> he'll save you. He'll help you if you get into a place of faith. So that should, that should be uh, enlightening for you because too many times we think, well, I've just disappointed God too much and He's just not going to help me out. Well, if I help this person out, he'll help you out, won't He? For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. They have closed. No one else closed them. 
lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Now this is when he's just with them here. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Sowing is equal to hearing. When he says, I sow the word, it's the same thing as hearing. Over in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, whoever what? Hears. He is sowing the word. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, or does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat in the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. In Luke 11:28, But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. John 8:43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. When he talks about sowing the word, he is talking about people hearing the word that is spoken. He sows the Word. The sower sows the Word. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about people that are born again that the Word of God is sown into them and they become fruitful. This is what this parable is being, is being spoken about. The parable describes four groups of people who hear. We are not dealing with people who do not hear. We are only dealing with people who hear. We have four groups of people who hear. We're going to look at this parable in light of doubting in light of believing for what it is that God wants us to do. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower, he says. Verse 19, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So the first group had the word stolen. We've gone over this parable before. Most of these things you already know. The first group had the word stolen. The enemy comes and steals. Now, we all know about the possibility of having something stolen, right? How many of y'all know there's a possibility that someone could steal your car? So, to prevent that, what do you do? We lock it. Sometimes we even have alarms, put alarms on them. When we have something that we know someone could steal, we lock it. We prevent it. They had the word stolen. Can we have the word stolen from us? Well, there's a certain, certain aspect to this group that opened them up to steal. Because the enemy cannot just come in and steal the word from you. There has to be some kind of an opening. Now, I, I looked this up over here in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 12. You don't have to go over there. I'm just going to read this, this one section of it. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe. Well, this is just the same thing, just phrasing it differently. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Takes away, he steals the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe. Well, if they were to believe, if they would stay in their heart, they would believe, they would have faith for it, it would have a result. If it was word for salvation, they would get saved. If it was word for healing, they would get healed. Whatever it is that they needed, because the same word for saved can mean saved from sin, it can mean healed. Can the enemy steal any word that he wants? In this particular case, what gave the opportunity? And he says it right there in the verse. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So, when we hear the word of the kingdom, what's that mean? The word was sown. The seed is in our soil. So, there it is. In the case of the parable, it was the birds that then came and they snatched up the, the seed. But the soil didn't have the seed, did it? The sower sowed the seed into the soil, so when the birds saw that the seed was on the soil, they came on over to eat it. Or in this case, as he interprets it, to come over and to, to steal it. What gave him the opportunity? It was a lack of understanding. It was a lack of understanding. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, does not understand it. If we hear the word and do not understand it, the devil has the ability to come and to steal the word from us. Take it right out. It's gone. How many times have you heard a word, 
heard something taught, heard, got some revelation in the Word of God, and didn't understand it. If you do not press in to get understanding, that thing can be stolen from you. So the first thing you need to do, so you don't become the first group, is when you hear the Word, apply yourself to it, understand it. It's imperative that you understand. It does not matter how much Word you heard. It matters how much Word you have. And how do you keep it? Understand it. Who cares how many tapes and CDs and MP3s and podcasts you've listened to? What do you actually understand? What have you kept? That's what matters. If you keep getting word and the devil keeps coming on by and stealing it, the birds keep coming over and eating it out of your life, taking it away, what good does it do? If you hear word, word, word on faith, and as soon as an opportunity for faith comes up, you just... It's, you, don't, you don't do it. You don't do anything with it. What good is the Word of God doing you? Well, he goes on. But he who received the seed on the stony places. This is he who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word, immediately he stumbles. So here's the second group. First group had the Word of God stolen. This second group, it was starved. But he who received the seed in the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, they're glad. They get in service. They hear the MP3. They hear the podcast. They listen to the CD, pop the tape in, and they come out. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, this is good. Did you hear that word? Oh, that was a good word. Oh, I'm enjoyed about that. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, this one must have at least some understanding because it wasn't stolen. But he doesn't have enough understanding to keep pressing on with this because as soon as... Look at what he says in, in, the, in the next verse here. Verse 21. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. So he did endure. He did take the teaching, the Word of God that was sown in him, and he did endure it for a while. He was excited about it. How many of you have ever been excited about something? Did you ever go out and pull out some things? And, and how many have ever gone out and bought a car and were real excited about that car? Came out of the lot with that car, were excited. Oh, this is a good car. You like the color of the car. You like the make of the car. You like the features on the car. You like how fast the car went or how fast it didn't go. You, you just liked all the things about it. You liked looking at the car. And, and things were, you were just real excited about this car. And then, you know, you had it for a little while and maybe had it for a month. And after the first month, something on it you were not expecting broke. But you still love the car. Still kind of excited about the car, so you fix it. And you go on, but then the next month, another thing on it broke. And it seems like all the time, something keeps coming up and breaking on the car. What does that do to your excitement level about the car? You once looked at that car and you were excited about that car. You liked the color of that car. You liked the way that car handled. You liked the way that car drove. You liked all the kinds of things about that car. But now all of a sudden you look at that car and you think, I don't like that car. That car's not working real well. I keep having to fix this car. It's always in the repair shop. I don't get to enjoy this car. And it takes away your joy from that, doesn't it? Haven't we ever bought something and at first we were excited about the thing and then all of a sudden problems came up with that particular thing. You see, if you, if you buy a house and a car and you're excited about both and the car has trouble but the house doesn't have trouble, you're not excited about the car, but what about the house? I'm still excited about the house because I had no tribulation. I had no persecution with the house. The persecution and the tribulation came up with the car. So we, we get out there a lot of times and we hear the Word of God and we find out that God wants us healed. Glory to God, God wants me healed. Oh, I'm so excited, God wants me healed. And we think that's great until we get a cold. I thought God wanted me healed. All right, well, I'll just believe God and, and, it, and it, it kind of lingered around and you're battling it with your faith. With your faith. Remember what uh, the verse just said? Fight the good fight of... Fight the good fight of faith. There's a fight, there's a battle that goes on. We sometimes don't always want the battle. But we have no root. Endure only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the what? Because of the Word. When Word is sown into us, if the devil can't steal it, he says we've got to persecute it out of them. We've got to make it so tough for them to have that 
word in them that they'll just get rid of it. They just don't want it anymore. They, oh, I don't, I'm tired of this. It seems like all the time I keep believing God for this and believing God for that and more stuff happens. Just forget it. I'm not going to believe God for anything more. And what do we do? We give up because the thing had no root. It didn't get down on the inside of us. Now, if, if someone were to come up to you and persecute you for your salvation, how many of you would throw it out the window? No, you're ready for it, right? I'm ready for people to persecute me about me being saved. I'm ready for people to persecute me about me for being forgiven. Come on, bring it on. That's all right. I'm ready for you to do that. Because I've got root. My roots have gone down deep in that. I'm ready. I know to expect that persecution will come because of the Word that's in me for salvation. But when the Word comes to me for faith and healing or faith in something for finances or whatever else, whatever other mountain we're trying to move, when faith comes to us for that and the devil sends along from his kingdom persecution to try and, and get you to let it go, get you to release it, get you to kick it out. Because if he can't, Steal it if you have an understanding of it. He can't steal it, so he's got to get you to release it. I can't get in there and get it ourselves, so we've got to get you to release it. He endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word, immediately he stumbles. He's got no endurance. He doesn't have the ability to endure. How many of you tested your endurance here during this week of hot weather? I mean, some things you were able to do before for a certain amount of time, you found you couldn't do it all that long. Your endurance was being tested, right? Well, things were going to come along and say, let's see how long you endure. How much do you really want that thing? How much are you willing to fight the good fight of faithfulness? Luke eight thirteen put it this way. Who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. They believe for a while. Well, we believe because there's no tribulation. How do you all know? It's easy to believe that Jesus Christ heals when you're well. It's easy to believe God for finances when you have money. When's it become tough? <laughs> when those things are lacking and in the, in the, not, I'm not seeming to have that kind of stuff going on. Now I'm being tested. Now we're being tested. Anybody ever lift weights? When you, when you lift weights... When you're tested is when you lift a weight that's close to your capacity. How many have ever bench pressed? Let me watch people bench press. All right, we watch people bench press. <laughs> we, go, we go watch people bench press and we see them laying down there, you know, in the movies and they get the weight and they, and they push it on up and they, they get that going. And, you know, you, you find some people up there and they're bench pressing 40 pounds. You watch somebody else and they're bench pressing 400 pounds. We think that's more of a test. But for the person, if they can only lift 40 pounds, that's a test to them. That's a test. But how many, how many have been there? Before you lifted 400 pounds, you probably lifted 40, 60, 80, 100. And every step of the way that you were going, when you pushed up that 100 pounds, that 120 pounds, 150 pounds, was that not a test? Was that not pushing it to the, to the limit? Wasn't that just pushing it as far out as you could go? Oh, just to barely get enough of this. And that, that's what endurance is. When the test comes, we push through it. There's no way that you can get to a place of bench pressing 120 pounds if you don't endure the, temp, the, the tribulation that comes from bench pressing 40 and 60 and 80. And we look at the guy that's out there and they're, they're moving these big mountains. They're bench pressing all this stuff. Oh, I just can't get to that spot. I tried bench pressing 400 pounds and almost killed me. We're not enduring. We didn't let that word that was in us grow and begin to push out some things and, and let some endurance build up on the inside of us. We just kind of let it go. Who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Well, when you are believing for a thing, what's the temptation that you face? What are some of the things that come against you? What are some of the things that have pulled you out in the past? Well, I was feeling. Well, the doctor said. Well, my neighbor said. Well, someone. What is it that did it? And so what you have to do is become aware of what is it that's going to pull you out. What's out there? I've got to be on guard against this. I can't let those 
those things pull me out anymore. Trying to get me to stop believing and to doubt God's promise. That's their goal. Verse 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. He who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Again, we're here with the word. The word has been sown into this life and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Luke 8 adds this to it. The pleasures of life. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of life, Luke adds to it. Choke the Word and He becomes unfruitful. Now, the Word couldn't be stolen so they must have understood it. Otherwise, the enemy would have just stolen it because that's his first line of, of, of offense. That's the first thing he wants to go. Let's just steal the Word. If the Word's been put in there, let's send the birds in. Let them eat the Word up. Get rid of the Word. If that doesn't work, all right, we go into the next area. Let's try and uh, tempt, tempt them out. Let's try and scorch them out of this thing. Let's just raise the heat level. And it's just like it was this week. How many of y'all know the heat level got raised this week? You know what's shocking? All the people that are talking about all this is so unprecedented. All this has never happened. Folks, it's summer. It's not winter. It's summer. What happens in the summertime? It gets hot. That's why they call it summer. Because it gets hot. <laughs> wow, we're just so... We are good with that. I mean, it's never hit temperatures like this before, Ever. And I always like it when they cut out there, you know, we're going to break such and such a record. And sometimes they go all the way back to like, in 1930, it was a hundred and whatever. So I'm thinking, what happened in 1930? It made it that hot. You mean since 1930 all up until now, it hasn't gotten that hot on this day? Of course, I was, I mean, you know, like, I'd like to set records. I mean, if we're going to be 105, why not go for 106 and just set a new record? What's another degree? Just go for it. Set a new record. <laughs> Y'all are saying, uh-uh. No. <laughs> oh, my. Well, the word couldn't be stolen, so they must have understood it. They didn't succumb to temptation and wither away, right? So, this is the third one. We've got to choke it out. If we can't stifle it out, if we can't tempt it out, if we can't snuff it out with heat, then let's try and choke it out. See, the... The temptation came from outside. It was the sun coming down upon it. In the choking, it comes from the inside. It comes from the soil itself. It comes from other competing seeds that are there. So if the Word is going to grow in us, the best attack the enemy has left is to get you to divide your attention so its production is lessened or eliminated. That's what he wants to do. Here's his first line of defense. First off, let's get him to not understand it. How do we accomplish that? Let's get them not to meditate on it. Let's get them not to pursue the Spirit of God on this who will give them understanding on it. Let's just get them to hear it and leave. We can steal that right out. If that doesn't work, if they heard it and they start meditating on it and getting understanding on it, all right, we've got to go to the next thing. That's from external sources. Let's begin to press that thing out. Let's just begin to drive that thing out with heat. Let's begin to get rid of this out of their lives. And if they withstood that, they said, all right, now we've got to go with the internal things. The things that are inside their own life. What can we have that's inside their own life that can grow up and begin to choke the Word that is in them that we couldn't get out through our first two attacks? And so the cares of this life and, and so forth begin to come up. Let's go on to the fourth one. The fourth group is fruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the Word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. They understood the Word, so it's not stolen, right? They resisted temptation, so it's not starved. They They maintained focus on the Word and became fruitful. They maintained the focus on the Word and it became fruitful. Now, the amount of fruit differs. Some produced a whole lot. Some produced only a little. The amount of fruit differed on it, but they became fruitful. They understood it. When they understood it, they put it to work. They did some things. They didn't just let it sit there. They put it to work. Jolly's been exhorting us, make sure you get out there and 
and, and share Jesus with some people. Look for some people to get born again. You've got to take the Word of God that's in you and share it with other people that are around. You have Word to share. It's not just there for you. It's there for you to share with other people. Help them out. Lay hands on them. Pray over them. Do some things. Expect it. Speak to yourselves. Don't just speak to mountains. Speak to yourself. I am a distributor of the Word. I'm going out there and I'm sowing the Word into other people. And they're gonna, we're going to have some fruit off of that. So they maintained focus on the Word and became fruitful. This is the only one described as understanding the Word. The only one that's described as understanding. There must have been some understanding with the second and third group, but this is the only one who's described as understanding the one. Understanding the Word. True understanding of the Word of God will produce fruit. On this one, there is a merging between the soil and the seed that never occurs in the first three. There is a merging between the soil and the seed that does not occur with the other ones. God wants that to happen. He wants the seed to become a part of your soil. He wants that to just get, get in there so that no sun can burn it out. No thorn will grow to chase it out. No, nothing's going to choke you. You're not going to divide your attention. You're going to keep your attention on it the whole time. You understand it. It's important, first off, that we understand what the Word of God is saying. That we get into what's, what's going on. There was a pastor who finished his message early one Sunday. And he wanted to check his congregation's understanding of what he had just taught them. And he said, Can anyone tell me what you must do before you obtain forgiveness of sin? Because he was teaching on obtaining forgiveness of sin. So he wanted to find out from the church, did you get it? Did you understand it? What do you have to do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? And there's a little boy in the back who raised his hand up and the pastor saw him and he says, yeah, what do you have to do in order to obtain forgiveness of sin? And the little boy said, you have to sin. <laughs> That's not quite the understanding he was going for. <laughs> he was going for something else. But see, sometimes we can hear the whole thing, all the word that was taught on a particular thing, and we can come out with something that simple. We had to sin. No, 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 that's not it. That you got to get the understanding of the thing. Do you have the understanding of what faith means? Do you understand how that message, how that word is going to get down in your life and root into it? How many times have we had word that has been sown in us and we have not seen the fruit? It has not brought about anything yet. You know what's lacking? Understanding. No, I understand it. No, you don't. If you understood it, it would produce fruit. That's not me saying it. Isn't that Jesus who said it? That they heard the Word, that they understood it, and that some produced a hundredfold, some produced sixtiesfold, some produced thirtyfold. Now, we can debate about this. Well, how do you get a hundredfold? How do you get sixtyfold? And we spent some time in the past on just that aspect of it. We're not going to get into that right now. But how many of you would just be happy on some of these things if you just got a 30-fold? <laughs> some fruit. <laughs> Glory to God, give me some fruit on this thing. It seems like i got no fruit on this thing at all. Hearing and understanding must go together. You've got to hear and you've got to understand. Don't be a forgetful hearer. You don't become a forgetful hearer by continuing. It is not a good option to just hear. To this, though, to the hearing, we must add resisting temptation... And focus to have the Word in us result in fruit. I've got to resist the temptation to give up on the Word. How many times, because of failure, have we had the temptation to give up on the Word of God in the, on the inside of us? Either the Word of God for a promise, a Word that God has spoken to us directly, some kind, whatever it is that He spoke to us, how many times have we been tempted to give up on that Word? Say, well, no, I'm just not going to do that. Abraham was spoken a Word. You will be a father of many, um, many nations. How many of y'all know he was tempted to give up on that? He was tempted just to bail out and the whole thing. Just forget about it. Ah, that's not going to happen. I'm not. Let Ishmael walk before you and be blessed. Well, have I missed it in one of these areas? There's something going on in here. Now, again, first area, the word's stolen. The word's gone. The word was put in there, but it's gone. You've forgotten it already because you didn't understand it. You didn't put it to work. You didn't do anything with it. So there was no place. You, you didn't go any further than that. Word's gone. It's just stolen. But you get into that second one. And that son, external forces are coming down trying to push you from believing that. And sometimes we've gotten past that. And that's only the second group. It's the third group where most of us have gotten off on. The third group where we have had things choked out. 
Because we've, we've withstood some of the external pressures. We've withstood people telling us, well, that's not for today. That's not going to happen. That's no good. But the choking out has caused a lot of people to, to falter. Now, here's the thing with this example that he uses. When he talks about how the thorns choke out and they keep the stuff from being unfruitful, how many of you know from that example that Jesus gives us, those, the, the, the word that was in them, it was still growing. The first one and the second one, the word died. It was gone. It withered away. It was gone. First one, it was, the seed was taken. It never even grew. The second one, it, it sprung up, but it, it died. It withered away and died. The third one, the stuff is still growing. It's still there, but it can't produce fruit. Now, how many of us, we've heard this before, yeah, thorns and thistles, they choke out the Word and they make it unfruitful and stuff like that. But we haven't really processed that to the point that we understand it. If I was to ask you, write me a 100-word essay on what it means to have the Word of God choked out on you. How would you do? Could you define it? You know what that means? If you can't, I don't understand it. If you understand it, you could write about it. But because you don't understand it, what happened? You lost it somewhere along the way. You've got to be able to understand it. You've got to press in and understand it. So I was pressing in on just this aspect of it. I said, all right, we do best with... How many of y'all know we do best with stories? Stories help us remember things. Examples, things like that in the Word of God. So I began to say, who in the Word of God do we have that gives us a great example of having the Word choked out? And there's a whole lot of them out in there. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of them to you. Here's one that you'll understand right off the bat. Samson. Was the Word of God sown inside of Samson? Did God not speak to Samson and say, I've called you, here's the purpose, here's what you're going to do, you stay away from this, and strength is going to work in the inside of you? Does he have that word? Is it still going on the inside of him? It, it, it didn't get stolen, did it? He understood it. It didn't get stolen. It didn't get persecuted out. The Philistines weren't able to come over and persecute him out from stopping him being a, a deliverer. What happened to him? Didn't other things come along and distract his attention? Philistine women being in places that he shouldn't be at, doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And he's over there putting his attention on them. And every once in a while, he just would focus on his call and he'd go out there and kill lots of Philistines. And they'd be done for a while. And he'd go on off and he'd do other stuff. And, and um, you, know, the, you know the story of Delilah, how Delilah... Got him on there and got the secret, and then they, you know, got his strength from him and so forth. And in the end, he finally killed off some more, uh, more so than all the rest of the time. But was his life what God intended it to be? Was he as fruitful as he should have been? There's very little fruit we really associate with the guy, because he allowed other things to keep choking it out. What are some of the things that that would choke it out? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And the pleasures of his life. Well, we understand where the pleasures of his life was, right? Delilah was one of the pleasures of this life that he allowed to be a distraction. Other Philistine women, it was a distraction for him. Maybe he wanted to use his strength to get money instead of deliverance for Israel. But that didn't help him out a whole lot. Abraham had the Word of God spoken to him. You will be a father of many nations. And through you, you, I will bless all nations. Go on down to a land that I've, I've called you to. So he goes on down to the land. He gets down to the land. And what happens when he gets down into the land? There's a famine in the land. So what's he get caught up with? The famine in the land. So what's he do? He leaves. Goes down to Egypt. How's Egypt go for him? Doesn't go real well, does it? Was he supposed to go to Egypt? Probably not. God told him to go to Canaan. He went to Egypt after Canaan because he was distracted. He didn't focus on it all that, all the way that he, that he should. Then the whole thing with Hagar came up. Well, maybe God will have us have a child through Hagar. What's he doing? Something's coming in to choke out the Word. What did the Word of God say? Through Sarah, you're going to have a baby. You and your wife. Hagar was not in the picture. She was not a wife. She was not someone he was supposed to have a baby with. Through, uh, through his wife, it's supposed to be done. So he allowed that to come in. And did that cause him to be unfruitful? Did God still love him? Sure he did. God still loved him, but he was being caused to be unfruitful because these other things were coming in and choking out the Word. And then when God came on down and said, Abraham, 
Rise before me and be blessed. Oh, I don't know about that. What can you possibly give me since the heir of my house is not even born to me? Does he sound like he's, this, this guy is, is being fruitful? He's not. But then we get to the end uh, where, where Isaac is almost born and we see a different Abraham. God doesn't have to talk him into it anymore. He's not focused on other things. All right, next year I have a baby. That's good. Next year works for me. He's all right with it. When Jesus came out of the wilderness to being tempted, or after, after being in the wilderness, and he was tempted of Satan at the end of it, and the devil comes one up and takes him over and says, you know, you're hungry. Turn these rocks into bread. What's he trying to do? Distract, distract him, just tempt him, pull him out, get him to be focused on other things that at that point he was not to be focused on. How many of y'all know bread's an okay thing to focus on? But apparently not at that time. That's not what he was supposed to be, be focused on. And there was other things in the temptations. He's trying to get him to alter his focus. There are things that will come along that try and get us to alter our focus. So we are not focused on just what God said. And when he does that, and then we start to focus on other things, for Samson it was Delilah. For Abraham, it was the lack of food in the land and lack of production with his wife and other things. We look at the things that aren't working. You can go through the Word of God and begin to think of other people who allowed stuff like this to come in and choke them out. What is it that's coming into your life and choking out the Word? It will cause you to be unfruitful. Get what this third group is. The Word is growing in them, but it's producing nothing. I hope you understood that from before when you went over this. The Word was growing in them, but it produced nothing. It didn't change who they were. They were still the same sourpuss they were before. They were still angry hateful person that they were before, whatever, whatever features, whatever problems they were having before, the Word of God came in and told them you could change, you could be something different. They didn't listen. They didn't go. The Word of God grew, but it produced no fruit. There was no fruit on their life. The Word of God can be growing in you and produce no fruit. But God doesn't want it that way. He wants it to be in a place where you produce 100 60, even 30-fold. The Word of God comes in you and produces fruit. Then you're moving mountains. Healing comes to you. The Spirit of God speaks to you. Tells you things. Helps you to overcome the things that are going on in your life. But he receives seed on the good ground. Good ground. All kinds of ground. God does not discern between good ground and bad ground when the Word of God goes out. The Word of God goes out and hits the good ground and the bad ground. Here's the Word. It's the same Word. What you do with it is up to you. But you got it. There's the Word. He who hears the Word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty, who indeed bears fruit and produces. Your faith should produce something on the inside. It isn't just to hear good things. It should produce something. How many are all ready to produce some things? How many have some, some healing things that need to, have, need to have some production? Some financial things that need to have some production. Need to have some things going on. Well, the Word of God, you are to hear it. You are to understand it. It is to grow on the inside of you and grow to the place of being fruitful. He gave three examples. Do you think Jesus left anything out? He's not one to do that, does He? There's either external temptations. They're trying to squash the Word in you. The enemy came along to try and steal it because of a lack of understanding on your part. Or, since we couldn't do that, let's choke it out. It'll still grow. They'll still be distracted. They'll see the thing growing, but it's not producing anything. It's not producing anything. Does the Word of God say that the third group has an understanding of the Word? Apparently it has at least enough to, that it's not going to lose it. But the only one that it says has an understanding of the Word is the fourth group. How do you get yourself to a place where you can have that kind of understanding. You dedicate yourself to it. You apply yourself to it. You put yourself to Because there, there are all kinds of things. How many of y'all know there's some things in this world that you understand and you understand really well? 
you can make that understanding, that knowledge work for you. And we all have something different. You know, some people grow up and, be, and become plumbers. And some people should not ever be plumbers. They have no understanding of that, of that whole thing. But they didn't dedicate themselves to it either. But some people, they dedicate themselves to plumbing. Some people to electricity, electricity become an electrician. Some people to cars. Some people to whatever it is. But we have something that we dedicate ourselves to. How did we come to a place where we have great understanding of that thing? That's what we need to go over. What is it that I did that gave me such great understanding in the area that I have understanding in? I applied myself to it. I studied it. I learned it. I took what I learned and I put it into practice. I tried to make it work. How did it work here? How did, what did it do over here? Did it, it wasn't so successful here. It was pretty good over here. What does... And we begin to experiment, try some things out. We're making some mental notes. All right, don't do it this way, but do it this way. Try it this way. We talk to other people that are in the trade, that are in the, the thing that we're doing. How did you overcome this problem? What did you begin to do? How is it that you came over this thing? And we, we're, 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 we're trying to find out how to get that understanding. You applied yourself to it. And when you did, you gained understanding on it. There are some people that have applied themselves to that in the area of faith and are doing things in the area of faith and other people just look at that and, well, I don't know that I'll ever get there. Now, we, we started weeks ago talking about our, the words out of our mouth. The people who speak words out of their mouth that direct their, their, the course of their life. And what you say directs where you go. Last week, we looked at that verse that said, the well, last two weeks, the increase, that your mouth needed to increase in order for you to, 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 to basically feed yourself and to, to do things. If you want an increase, you need to be uh, saying some things. You need to be speaking some things on it. Well, there's some things we need to have increase on. There's some things we need to have some results in. And every time that it's not working, every time that we had the, the plant and it's not being fruitful, we go over to God and we start yelling at God, God, how come? How come? Oh, put yourself into it more. Father God, I don't quite have the understanding of this yet that I need to have. I'm going to dedicate myself more to understand this thing. I'm going to figure out this thing more. I'm going to put myself apply it more because I know your word is right. What you said in your word will work. What you said in your word will come about. What you promised will work. There's a difference in people who speak something to try and talk themselves into it and people who speak something because they believe it. I want you to picture something. How many have ever seen some of those, those nice pictures of these interesting looking bridges in some third world countries over some very high ravines? with water flowing underneath. Have you ever seen those pictures? Oh, we like those pictures, don't we? Sometimes we even print those pictures and we put them up on our wall because they are pretty. Sometimes we take them and we put them as a screensaver for our computer because we think they're pretty. Now, imagine you're there at the foot of the bridge looking out over the bridge that's going over this incredibly high ravine and here you are. You have a choice. You can speak something that you believe or you can speak something that you hope is true. I think this bridge will hold me if I walk across. Can you not speak that word in such a way as to try and talk yourself into it? I sure hope this bridge will hold me. I've I seen other people go, man, I hope it will hold me. I hope it doesn't fail when I'm... Is that a person who believes in that bridge? Is that a person who has faith in that bridge? That's a person who's trying to talk themselves into walking over that bridge because they don't want to, they're afraid, they're scared, whatever it is. I hope this bridge will hold me. And they walk out and they're kind of gingerly about it and they're not so sure. And then there's other people who just believe. You know what? That bridge has been up there for years and years and years and years. I've seen it carry hundreds of people on over. I'm going. This bridge is holding me. And they tear off running. Which is the one who believes? There's a whole lot of folks out there that are faith people that are on the side of the bridge talk, trying to talk themselves into believing that the bridge will hold them and wonder why they don't go across the same way that these other people do. Now, you don't have to go across the bridge over a high ravine to have faith. But what you have to do is believe that the things you're speaking that God promised you and God said were yours. You don't sit there and try and talk yourself into it. For 24 years, Abraham, or 20-some-odd years anyway, Abraham tried to talk himself into being a father of many nations. When he finally got to the place where he believed it, it happened. 
It's a whole lot better to be in a place talking yourself into believing it than talking yourself into doubting it. But the best place of all to be is where you believe it. There's a difference in how people talk when they believe a thing and to how they talk when they hope a thing is true. There's a difference in how they talk. God doesn't want us to get to a place where we hope the thing is true. He said over in Mark chapter 11, Whatsoever things you say with your mouth and believe in your heart, we've got to believe in our heart. And you believe those things that you say and does not doubt in your heart, but believes that those things he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. We can't just speak these things talking ourselves into it. Well, I hope it happens. Well, I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but I sure hope it happens soon. We can't be going around talking ourselves into some things and thinking we are in the fourth group. At best, you're in the third. And what is Jesus' teaching saying about that word that's in them? It is unfruitful. Unfruitful. The reason it's unfruitful is because of the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures that are around here to have. There's a whole lot of things you can distract yourself with. There's a whole lot of things that you can be steered off with. You can become like Samson. Be steered off with the things he was steered off with. The women and the money and the fame. You'd be like Abraham, who was just distracted with all the cares of the world, all the things that came up. Well, they got to feed people. Well, they might kill me. Well, my wife is beautiful, and they might want her and get rid of me. And He's so much trouble with all the cares of this world. What are the things that the enemy is using in your life to keep you bottled up? Because where Jesus wants you is in the good soil where you produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. We aren't producing the 30, 60, and 100 fold. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming the soil and stop blaming the seed. You have got to get those things out of your life. You've got to resist the external temptations that come against you to quit on the faith project, to quit on moving that mountain. And you've got to get yourself out of the place where the stuff that's on the inside of your life chokes it out. We can do it. We can, glory to God, we can do it. Hallelujah. Would you stand up with me? You had something that you were talking about. Is that? Okay. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You have called us to a place of victory. You have called us to a place of winning in this life. You've set before us four types of soil. Four types of folks that we can be. We can have the word stolen from us. We can have the word starved. But it's not how you want it to, to be. We can have the word choked. But as again, that's not how you want it to be. You don't want the word that's on the inside of us just surviving. You want the word of God thriving on the inside of us. You want us to be fruitful. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. That if we press in... For understanding, you give us understanding. You show us with things that we need to know, that we need to do, that we can overcome, that we can be victors. But the understanding comes from the Spirit of God. We thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus.